I've been uh, texting back and forth with Yaping uh, over the last few days, so let me give you an update on that situation there. Um, uh, they are going through their fourth round of COVID testing for, um, I'm not sure if it's the whole city or their buildings, but any time a person tests positive, that whole section is isolated. And so if your building or your section of town has a positive test, then um, you can have one family member go out every three days for groceries. The rest of you have to stay inside and then they do these rounds of complete COVID testing of their population. So um, I don't think it's a very pleasant thing. In addition, her whole extended family have been caught in this at their at their home so their whole family's there they cannot travel back home uh, and you know one of the things that i've been praying for for her family is to see yaping and house faith in action that they would see a peace and a lack of anxiety there as they're just trusting the lord in this thing and uh, just this last text that i got from her she she said that that they weren't they were so glad that they knew christ because it took away all the anxiety. So what a what a good report from, from them. So let's keep them in our prayers as the Lord would remind you. Um, you know, I guess in two weeks to go through four COVID tests as a as a building or a, a city is probably a big thing. So um, um, we just thought about how scary it would be if you came to visit me and weren't allowed to leave. <laughs> That's a very scary thought. <laughs> well, I um, am going to finish my two-point message that was begun a Memorial Day weekend, um, hopefully uh, today. Uh, it's just taken a while to get through it for one reason or another, but uh, this will be the second point um of this two-point message on t uh, two of the ways that God deals with his uh, with his children and his family of of children, and so let's let's pray before we begin. Father, there are so many things, so many people, so many circumstances um, that we could bring before you, and Lord, it's just hard to believe that you never tire of our petitions, our supplications. Uh, and likewise, Father, you never tire of our praise and thanksgiving. And so, Lord, help us to have that right balance of the two, not forgetting one for the other. And so, Lord, we just come to you. We thank you right now for this written word that you've given us. We thank you, Father, too, for your faithfulness to open, open the eyes of our heart to apply it to our lives today. And so bring understanding and bring application as we listen to your heart for us as a people today in jesus name amen i'm going to read a quote from john lennox how many of you know who john lennox is he is an irish northern irish mathematician who is also a uh, christian apologist has debated many of the high-powered atheists uh, uh, and soundly won against them uh, I was listening to an interview of his a uh, couple, maybe a month or so back, and uh, so I kept replaying it just to type out this one quote of his. So let me read that as an introduction to why we're still in the Old Testament. <laughs> okay, John Lennox quote, I, as a Christian, have for many years been trying to get people to take the Jewish scriptures seriously because there's you've got the foundation, the foundation story. And people are looking for a story big enough to fit their lives into. And there's the start of the big story, creation, human beings made in the image of God, and what that means for their dignity, freedom, and everything else. If people could just get that one fact. You know, and we've been given so much more than that. Not just the creation story, but if you can hold on to that, you're miles and miles ahead in this whole area of 
um, self-awareness and rejection and identity and stuff. You, you can be so secure and seated in what that tells you about yourself. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I um, just think that it makes the New Testament so much richer uh, when you have this understanding of all along, it's not a story that he's made up on the fly. He has known the end from the beginning in every way. And you can just see see it progressing as he's giving clues and shadows and, and setting the stage for the, the, the thing next to come. And so we're going to stay in uh, Deuteronomy. Just a very, very short review of Deuteronomy 6 <clears throat> where Moses was recounting um, the the history of uh, the Israelites as they had come and been delivered out of Egypt. Um, in, in the sixth chapter, he summarizes this in this way, saying, he, speaking of God, brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land, really to bring us into a place of peace and rest. Um you know, this example, and you know, the one of the things is you don't read the Bible for information. I mean, a lot of people do. The Pharisees read it for information. But it's there for application. It's there to help us live a righteous life, to live a life of faith. And so um, this particular example of this summary that he gives um translates into the New Testament. You know, it points forward to something uh, towards the imitation of Jesus to, to come to Him. And He will give us rest uh, to come to Him. It's made available by faith by which God brought us out from there, translated us from the kingdom of, dark, of darkness to bring us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I think Randy pointed out uh, a few weeks back that God has this place for us and he's preparing this place for us. And he reminded us that Jesus is the way to that place. <clears throat> he is the truth that guides us to that place. And he is the life we have in that place. You know, I was thinking, Bill, when you were asking about things to share with young people. Um, I was young once when I first began to believe in the Lord. And um, uh, one of the things that I've held on to is one of the, the promises of, of Romans where it says, those that put their trust in Christ will not be disappointed will not be disappointed. And, and it might look like uh, disappointment along the way, but that's part of being patient. That's part of the faith walk. Doesn't matter. In the end, I believe I will not be disappointed in the choice that I've made to believe in Jesus Christ. And so I just really would encourage them. You've got to believe in something. So why not believe in that? I think somebody needs to open the door for Roger and Wendy, it's, I think, I guess it's locked. Um, so we see in this book of Deuteronomy uh, shadows and patterns of things that are yet to be fulfilled in a greater measure in the New Testament. And that's what makes it so exciting when the Lord kind of opens your heart and your eyes to see, to see these things. Um, but... You know, in the end, we might not be, uh, we will be able to say that we're not disappointed. We're going, it's going to be more than we can ask or think or imagine. But right now, we're in the midst of a life journey here uh, in a fallen world. And um, it comes with challenges like we've just been walking through. Uh, so I want to move on to chapter 8 of Deuteronomy um, and, and Greg has done a great job of exegeting these scriptures. Maybe a year ago, you did. You went through at least the first parts of Deuteronomy, and 
So I'm not going to try to build on that at all, but I do want to pick on one thing in this chapter and and look at it together. But let's take the time to go ahead and read the entire chapter together. Chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, and I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Version, the one that I believe Jesus carried. So... (laughs) All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him or reverence him, as some translations say. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you shall eat food without scarcity, in which you shall not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart becomes proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand have made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And it shall come about If you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, there's a lot there. There's a lot of things that God could be speaking to each of us, depending on our circumstances and the things we walk through and and the way we see our own nation. But I want to just focus on one part of this particular chapter. And this is and that is this. This is the other way I feel like God deals with his people. He might humble you. Verse 2. Well, that's kind of 
hard to hear sometimes um, because, I mean, we live in New Testament times. We live on this side of the cross. We live under the, the grace of God. We are his children. But, I, you know, I have to ask myself and look back at my own life. When I became a Christian, when I believed by faith in, in, in the word of God, did I immediately begin to walk in humility? I'm not sure I'm walking in it yet. That's why I'm, I don't know, this message may be more for me than anybody else, but um, it's something God has to work on for all of us, I think, because the boastful pride of life is, it's kind of hard to, to kill the weed of pride. It is very resilient, I've found in my own life. When, once I think I've got that thing chopped down, dug out, and it's like three days later, really? Really? You're there again, I see. And of all the things that God wills to work and to do in our life, what seems to be that last vestige of thing that seems to get sanctified out of us, you know? It's this stinking weed called pride that just won't go away. Um, <laughs> that's a great that's a great illustration. Pat and Greg can certainly identify with the bamboo illustration. <laughs> and that's for sure. <clears throat> So I was talking to them about, what does that mean, he'll never let you down? Does that mean you always get what you want? They said, oh no, that's not what it means. It means that he's with us all the time. Right. And it's, but it's the Romans verse you just mentioned, and it's this verse. I mean, we're humble to test us to see what's in our heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because God has ulterior motives that are beyond so that's what we're going to look at today. Why this good God of ours is so good that he would make us humble. That's what we want to look at. So verse 2 is the first reason. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. As I read this over and over, I'm thinking... Okay, this is the way it's phrased in here seems quite interesting. Like uh, the way it's written, it's like he's testing us so that he might know what's in our heart. And I'm like, well, he's omniscient. He already knows what's in our heart. He always knows what's in man's heart. And he knows already whether we're going to obey or not. And so, Bill, you're right. I think that is the point of it. Um it's to reveal to us what's in our heart. You know, I used to, as a young Christian, I remember first reading through this and I was like, gosh, I cannot believe how unbelieving the Israelites were after all that God had done. I mean, what was the problem there with these guys? I mean, they saw all these miracles. They saw things done to people that lived just down the street from them and it didn't happen to them. I mean, what else do you need to, for, for God to prove to you that he's for you and not against you, you know? And then I finally realized I'm just like them. You know, after walking with God 10, 15 years, it's like, wow, that's me. That is me. All the times he's been faithful to me, all the times he's gotten me out of situations, um, and I am the same way. Um, you know, the spirit is really willing, but the flesh is weak. It is just weak. It's disappointingly weak. You know, I get so upset with myself sometimes. Um, um, it's like it says in Roman, I agree with the law. Um, one t a lot of times when I'm like flipping through the Psalms, to, you know, to read a Psalm in the morning or something, I always go over 119 because it's so long. Well, I decided while I was out of town in, in Gatlinburg this week, I'm going to read that Psalm. I'm just going to pick three to four of those sections and read each morning. You know, and you do, and then you realize, I really do love the law. 
And then you get to Romans and it says, I agree with it. But then I turn around and see my very members doing the opposite. Oh, and then, you know, chapter seven, I think of Romans says, oh, who will who will save me from this wretched person that I am? You know, and that only hope is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can save us from that condition. Give us the grace and change our heart. Um, So he does know what's in our hearts. And it's his goodness to reveal it to us. You know, that's what I like about. I think it's the verse in uh, Hebrews chapter four. It says the, 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 the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword. I love that word. That's the word that keeps working in my heart. That reminds me when I think when I've deceived myself and I think. I'm really doing pretty good in this area. I, I, you know, I, I did. I said something to somebody. It was the right thing to say. And then, you know, you lay down at night, and the Lord say, "It was the right thing to say." And I'm glad you said it, but in your heart, you edited what was in your heart before it came out your mouth. You know, and we do that. We et- we edit our behavior. We think. We want to do one thing, but we're civilized. And so, um, you know, we, we, we can modify. We're, we're skillful at modifying what comes out versus what's really in the depth of our heart. And that's where God looks. And that's what he's working on all the time. Right, Caroline? I agree. I agree with you. I'm gonna, I'm getting more amens from her than you guys have ever given me. I I mean, I'm encouraged. (laughs) So, you know, I think to, to embrace, you know, the work of the Spirit, you know, the Word of God, that, that Word of God when He deals with us, we should not be afraid. It's for our good that He wants to show us those things that, so that we don't stay deceived about where we think our heart is in certain areas. Um, And so this whole thing about when the Lord shows us something, one of the response other than repentance, I believe the Lord is looking for is humility. Yes, Lord, I still see that I'm a failure in certain areas, but you've already told me you love me. You've paid the price um, you know, we have a, a Holy Spirit that knows the mind of God and intercedes for the saints. I'm so glad he does. I'm so glad I have a high priest that sits at the right hand of God that says, I've paid for that. He's righteous in our sight. Remember, he has my righteousness. He's clothed in my righteousness, even though we're trying to impart that into his being to be a better and better reflection of, of us here. <clears throat> so that's what he's after is purifying our heart um, and then we can go right to verse 3 he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord so he has to humble us for two two truths we have to learn to embrace. Um, the first one is that man doesn't live by bread alone. Just, but how many people in the world think that 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 they do? What is what does that what does that represent? What does bread represent? It represents everything it takes for temporal life. Bread, food, provision, clothing, a paycheck, all those provisions. But, and so it's very easy to think, this is what I need to live. Most of the world thinks that way. If I've got this and this and this, I'm living. I've got to have these things. And how long does it take then for us to really realize Particularly as believers, we of all people should know this. We don't live by just bread alone. We live by something else. 
What is it? Henry, you've made straight hundreds all summer long. What else do we live by? The word of God. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that's this word and the word he speaks to you and I in, in a moment. Uh, it's, it's that obedience that counts as well. <clears throat> you know, their bread was miraculously provided. There's no way that you can get around that story when it came every day except Sunday. How are you going to explain that? Follow the science and explain that. You can't. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. I don't, you know, I used to think, well, let's see, the water's parted so they could walk on it. Well, it might have had a strong wind. It might. No, it was a miracle. The word of God. I used to try to figure it out how it could work naturally, you know, and it doesn't. It works because the authority of the universe said it, and it was so. Um, so the other truth is that real life comes by embracing every word that comes from the God. This word and the word he speaks to you each and every day. Um, and it takes a while to learn that. I don't know if y'all picked it up the first week you were saved, but I didn't. Um, maybe after about 15 years, it was beginning to take hold a little bit because... Um, and I found myself over the, I don't know if COVID's the reason or what, but over the last, it'd have to be more than COVID because it's been over the last three or four years. It's like just reading the Bible to say, I've, I've done my reading just doesn't, just doesn't do it. There's this waiting. Well, what are you trying to say to me? What do I, what do I need to apply? You know, it's, it's that application which means there's relationship there. I'm not just checking off, oh, the Bible reading and the study of the Bible is not an end in itself. It's a means to God himself. And, and it, we fall short if we just check off the box or if we've, we, now we can recite the first two years of Jesus' life, we know exactly where he was. No, that, that word is to point us to a living word and that relationship is really what we're after. And so those, those times of quiet need to come where we're not doing all the talking. We're listening. We're listening because the Lord wants to have a conversation with us. It's interesting to me that the Israelites had to go through a wilderness experience and be humbled to learn this lesson. And then they were ready and prepared to cross the Jordan and go in and possess the land. Now, it seems like in Jesus' life, it worked a little bit of difference. He, he knew this. And then he first was then baptized in the Jordan crossing, if you want to say it's kind of a crossing. And then he went in the wilderness already armed with this truth that man does not live by bread alone because he used it against one of the temptations that the devil gave him. So um, he is the one that leads by example and shows us the truth of this particular truth that it is. And then I guess it was with, uh, at the well, I'm trying to remember this from memory, at the, at the well with the Samaritan woman, says he had food the disciples didn't, I have nourishment that you do not know about. Because he was doing the will of the Father. He was being obedient to what, what the Father had told him to do in that particular thing. <clears throat> There's one last verse, verse 16. In the wilderness, God fed you manna which your fathers did not know. Why? It continues. He might humble you that he might test you. And why would he do that? To do good for you in the end. To do good for you in the end. 
So he would make us humble to do good for us in the end. Um, Jesus was made lower than the angels. I think one of the verses says, in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He died on the cross to do good in the end for you and me. It's this humility that God... God exalts one who is humble. Um, And so Jesus tells us to get yoked to him. Get linked up with me. Uh, I think, Greg, I think it was you when we were at Bill's house, you you made this comment uh, that um, that the one self-description of Jesus was that we take his yoke upon us and learn from him. For I am gentle and what? Humble in heart. And then you'll find rest for your soul. I think the point for me that I wanted you to see this morning is that how these two ways kind of work together. He brought us out from there. But then what happens, it seems like whenever God wants to move a people or you as an individual or a nation or a church from one place to another... Uh, there is these two things that seem to operate with each, within each other. He brought us out from there, whatever there might be, and then that he might humble us so that he can take us in. And um, it just seems to me that uh, the, the humbling part is a part of the preparation for, for, for us to learn how to behave and better enjoy wherever this next place is to be. And so, I mean, just to summarize, his purposes for bringing us us, and wanting and desiring for us to be a a humble people are these four reasons. To test us so that we'll know what's in our heart. To make us understand that man does not live by bread alone alone. And to make us understand that man lives by everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. And to do good for you in the end. Sometimes that's a hard lesson to to learn in the middle of it all. But you know, um, it's more than just acting humble. Because we can do that when we feel something different in our hearts. It's, it's being in that place of, of humility, of, of a low, recognizing our lowly estate uh, as relates to who He is. But at the same time, recognizing how blessed we are to have His love placed on us. Um, I mean, I, I, it's almost like there's this tension there. You, you understand um, your very desperate need for a Savior and who you are without Christ and, and, and then at the same time, who you are with Him. The, the, the fact that we need Him so desperately to be present in our life. Um, you know, I, this summer has been challenging, I think, for any of us that have been speaking because I think everybody wants to know what's going on in our lives. What's going, what's, why, why COVID? Why, why are we in this place we are as a nation? And it, it's, I don't know that I have all the revelation um, if I did, I'm sure I would be on TV or something. But um, we are we are definitely facing the Goliath of our time. Yeah, everybody knows that everybody on TV is just 
That's right. <laughs> we we are this culture that we find ourselves in. This um, this government, the way we're being governed as a as a as a country. Uh, I mean, it's very easy to say, "Well, what can I do? I'm just one person." But you know, at the same place, understanding this place of humility, but also understanding that the power we have in Christ, it has to start with prayer, you know. And the nation is really not the problem. Should turn off everything. The church is what God is dealing with. The church, us. It it, it says, if my people... If my people will humble themselves and repent. It's the church. And it's the church um, is part of the reason we're where we're at as a nation. And, um, you know, it's like I was listening to this country song. Um, <laughs> Greg's eyebrow went up on that. Like, you in country? Well, yeah. <laughs> But one of the but one of the lines in the song says, "Will you quit or will you try?" And you know, I I, I just feel like that's the challenge for the church. And we can throw our hands up and say, "It's inevitable. Our nation is on the downslope." But do you want to stand before the Lord and say, "We didn't even try." I don't want to have to answer that question. Why, why didn't you at least try? So, I think, you know, I don't know how many times I hear people say, well, I guess we could just pray. Like it's the last resort. And, you know, we have got to get over that. It is the most powerful weapon we've got. You know, the, the Psalms say, I'm really off script now, so... <laughs> <laughs> the Psalms say that if one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand, what what could a room like this do if they knew if we were like very uh, elite forces in, with the weapons of our warfare? We've got to learn how to pray more effectively. Um. And I think that is a that is a starting point. It's just a place we have to start. And so I just would encourage us, you know, Wednesday uh, prayer meeting, you know, I I think it's wonderful we pray for what we pray for, but somehow or another we've got to expand our horizons um, and, and address these things that are bigger than us. They're bigger than our little community. You know, and the people that our community are affected. And I am challenged because I unfortunately tend to think my prayers rather than pray my prayers. And I'm continually challenged that everything God did, He spoke. It's something about speaking out the Word that has some power to it. Um, and I'm a thinker more than I am a talker. And, and it's very challenging, even in my private prayer time, to pray out loud. And yet, it's something that I'm trying to practice to do more of. And uh, I know that God hears those silent prayers, but I think there's something about um, a spoken word, uh, even if it's something that's written out and we all were to say it together, if it's, you know, if it's heartfelt with faith, is a is a starting point, but um, I, I just would encourage you: don't lose hope now. Don't be one of these people that God says you didn't even try. We have to try to stem the tide of what we see. We have to we have to be um, trust Him for um, you know the grace to uh, give us newfound passion.
you know, you guys have come off a, a week of, of seeing God at work and, and, a, and a passion that's there. And we need to learn how to carry that. Not, not manufacture it, but carry a true passion for, you know, the voice of this, this Philistine that would, you know, would, would make fun of, of the living God that we believe and serve. That something should rise up in us for, about our culture and and anybody that challenges that, and um, you know it it is a place of stepping out with a a confidencing that Christ is going to meet you in that place when you're you're the point person when you're on that stage, and and, and so I just feel like I want to encourage everybody let's let's try to get the concerns that we have. Uh, into a place of some kind of action that begins, I guess, with with your own quiet time. It needs to be more than just about your family. You know, it needs to be about the church at large. But, you know, we we can do something as our church. I just really feel that, and I don't know what it is. I've been praying about it, but, um, and Pat, I'm sure you probably have too. What is it? That God wants to change in in this focus um, for Gateway. Um, I'm convinced that Crosswave is one of the things that needs to stay because um, this generation that's coming up is the 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 leader. They're the ones that are going to have to solve these problems. And um, believe it or not. There, there have been lots of studies that have been done, and and it's it's been labeled the hero generation. There's four generations. I don't know if y'all know anything about the turnings, but um, um, there's there's these four things that characterize uh, each generation based on how because man makes mistakes, same mistakes every every time. That's why you have nations uh, rise and fall, and so. There is this cycle, but there's not a lot of hope that this hero generation is going to pull through. Um, but they can if they have Jesus. So we need to tell them about Jesus and we need to convince them that you are the key. The people that know Jesus will have the wisdom and the understanding to deal with these things. So um, let's see, how much more time do I have? Um I'm sorry, I am just kind of verbalizing here some concerns that I have, and uh, I guess I'm just asking us to bind together. And I'm so tired of hearing we're in this together when we're really not together. But Great Gateway can be together. We can be together in purpose and in unity, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And, and trusting God to give us a new found vision of what it is we're to set our hand to in this next thing, what to what to hold on to and what to let go of that we've got the energy, um, which for some of us is becoming less and less each day uh, to set our hand to uh, in this next season of, of our life as a family together. OK, Bill, I'll let you. <laughs> I'll let you even close the prayer. I well, I got a million thoughts too. As you, uh, as we wandered through the no, I was. Thank I was, goodness, he sat down. Right? That was, was a clap of support. Yeah. I was. I was stuck on some things that you had said earlier. So, um, you know, it happened. You, you get a thought in, and suddenly it, it takes over. And the speaker keeps going, and you're still processing this other one. Um, I remember when Dwight Fisher used to speak, and he would say a sentence, and I'd think, okay, I think about that sentence. And he'd have 10 more sentences in before I'd be ready to turn loose of that one. Um, you know, if you, had, if you had been there 
<clears throat> when the Israelites were afraid to go into the promised land. Yes, that's what I was <laughs> and he said, okay, Joshua and Caleb are going to go in, but you're going to spend a year for every day. And they knew it was 40 years. Well, they knew. knew. They knew by faith. If they had faith, they would have thought it's 40 years. If they didn't have faith, they could say, well, we can change it tomorrow. In fact, they did try to change it tomorrow. They went to the to do that battle and they lost. Um, we're in a situation now where we don't, I mean, if, if the Lord would reveal to us it's 40 years and then all the problems would be solved, we would think, what? <laughs> I mean, we expect problems every day. Uh, and here we are in the most prosperous country in the world. And we, we lose sight of the fact that this is his best, this is, is better than it's ever been in terms of natural life. Um, and yet what God promises is so much more. And he, re, he rejoices in natural life. I mean, he made it. He said it was good. You know, what you say about God speaking, you know, you start in Genesis 1 and all of a sudden God speaks and he speaks that there be light. And then he says, well, let there be planets and let there be stars and let there be waters and let separate these waters from these waters and let this happen and, he, and he's not painting with a, a brush he's speaking this out and then when it's interesting because you know I, I talked about the fruitfulness of God and I said uh, that was the first commandment that God gave people was to be fruitful and multiply but he had given that commandment to the animals the day before. So he told the fish and the animals and the insects and the birds to be fruitful and multiply. And the insects got the message, didn't they? They did. <laughs> well, you know, you read about these insects and, and <laughs> their whole goal in life is to reproduce. <laughs> they are answering God's call. That's what they're doing and nothing else. Let's uh, <clears throat> turn to page 15. We, we want to say this that we want to really live but we don't want to have a shell of existence only knowing the natural aspect of life yes Lord you have been so gracious to reveal through, through peoples and nations and migrations and geography and weather and through fish and through animals and through the birds of the air, Lord, and through the stars and the planets, you have been so gracious to reveal so many aspects of who you are and what you've done and your plan and purpose. And Lord, you have given us, you have commanded words to be spoken and words to be written down for future generations. And Lord, that's where we are. We are reading those words recorded for us and we're bringing them back to you, Lord. And we're saying, Lord, do this in our generation. And Lord, to ensure that it might happen, give us your spirit. Lord, you have made every provision for us. You've given us the word. You've given us faith. You've given us your spirit. You've given us one another. You've given us saints. That we might make your name known Lord and that people might have life and that you might be glorified in the midst of it Lord that your mercies would be, be known and Lord you said that we we've fallen short of your glory we, we need glory and where are you going to go get glory you can't go to the store and buy some glory so Father I pray that you would 
increase in our in our understanding what glory means and why it's so desperate that we find someone who can provide glory for us. Uh, imagine someone who would give us and share their glory with us. Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, open our eyes to see your mercy and your grace and your love poured out for us. Lord, we are so deeply loved by you. Lord, you would do whatever it takes to rescue us. And you have done, Lord, and you provided for us in Christ. By your spirit, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, let us never feel like we're unloved. That we're forgotten. That we are left alone. Lord, you're always with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I pray for this young boy named David. Lord, he has many hardships and trials, both uh, in his situation and in his physical body. But Lord, I ask you to deliver him. Meet his need, Lord. Meet his spiritual need. Meet his mental need. Meet his physical need. Blessed be your name, Lord. And his brother, Lord. I pray the same for his brother. We pray for the churches of our land. To return to their first love. To, to understand what you have said in the scriptures. There in the revelation. Churches that are smug. Churches that are proud. Churches that are apathetic and lazy. Lord, I ask that you forgive us as a nation of churches. Lord, you have been so good to this nation. And we have disregarded you as a nation. Lord, well, we, we used to read to one another a year and a half ago when COVID first started. If my people who are called in my name will repent and come to me, and I will bless their land. Lord, thank you for still waiting. Hopefully, Lord, that day of national repentance has not passed us. But Lord, we ask for your mercy again. Speak it out, church. God made a voice for you. 
gave you a diaphragm and lungs and the vocal cords and the throat, tongue and lips, that you might speak it out. He was happy to give you these things. I think he delights in our spoken word. He says from it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. And what we say can defile us or it can be used for the glory of God. So I should share about my Sunday. I don't know how many of you noticed or not, but as um, I spoke out a word about using a prayer language to intercede for those that were ill. As we began to pray, I had to grab hold of myself not to break in racking sobs. And what was happening is that I felt like the Lord was saying that many of our wells were stopped up. Mm-hmm. And that until our wells were unstopped, mm-hmm. we could not pray as effectively as we could. Mm-hmm. And so that continues to be in our prayer in the spirit, mm-hmm. that our wells will be unstopped. Mm-hmm. I've been on a journey for about five or six years or more now to get my wells unstopped. And they are still not completely clear by any means. <laughs> uh, but I pray that now for this body. Lord God, that we would walk in all that we have walked in before at home. I pray that again you would visit us with your spirit and that again we would be bold and strong and courageous and that you would ignite us in purpose and in unity. That those places that we see from a different lens that you would broaden us, Lord, to your sins, and that we would see what your sin and what you have for us, and Lord, that our wells would be unstopped. Mm. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Can I come back up there for a minute? <laughs> Got your second wind. Um, I, I, just a couple things. You know, there's a verse, and I think it's in um, Chronicles, that says the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. 
you know, and as I'm thinking about that verse, and I just remember uh, in the Bible where it talks about the mighty men of, of David, these men that took on great, you know, accomplished great things. Their name, I'm not looking for a name for Gateway. We're a little church, but I think, you know, we could be one of those mighty men in the, in the eyes of the Lord in this whole area of prayer. Every church can pray. We might not have millions of dollars. You know, we may not be able to do some of these things, but if we could get to that kind of place where he could look at and say, I can trust this group of people with my heart for this, and they'll do something about it in prayer. He's the one whose right, strong right arm we need to be able to move. Um, and I'm sorry, you've got me as a leader. I am, I am still learning how to pray like that. Uh, and so it may be one of those things that we have to learn together. But there's grace for that if God sees there's a, a group of people that have a heart for it. We can learn together how to be that kind of mighty man of, of, of the Lord instead of a mighty man for David. I just want to submit that as something to think about. So Lord, when you want to, when the people want to follow you, and you you want to show them what's in their heart, you have to humble them. Lord, as much as we are possibly able in our decision-making faculties to want to follow you, to want to be obedient, Lord, to your, your purpose and plan for us, not just as individuals, but collectively, Lord. You've, you've knit our hearts together, Lord. They, we are bound tight to one another. And so, Lord, um, we trust you. We want to trust you more. Help our belief, Lord. Help our faith to grow. Help us to, to have our wells unstopped. Help us to have our eyes opened. Help us to have our spirits, Lord, um, prepared for what you have. Help us, Lord, to hear and linger in your presence. Hear your voice and linger in your presence. Help, Lord, the words of Scripture come alive to us. Let them taste sweet as honey and let us eat them. Let us meditate on them. Let them resound within us, Lord, as a, as a, as a song of praise and jubilant uh, worship to God. Let them come within us, Lord Jesus. Lord, we all have different ideas of what that means our normal life would be like. Do we walk down the street and lay hands on people or pray or do we... Linger in the private closet to, to see the world changed? Do we see evil kept at bay and righteousness pour forth? All the above, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'd give us uh, not only the things that we should do, but how we are to be. People of Abiding in Christ who bear the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, these fruit are cannot be counterfeited. It's, it's pure Jesus when I see goodness in someone, it seems. When I see patience, I know that that's from God. When I see someone that's truly faithful, Lord, it seems it's always from you. When, they're, when they are joyful spirits, Lord, and loving kindness, and gentleness, Lord, these things are from you. Self-control. Who has self-control without the Lord Jesus in their lives? Lord, so we want to know not only what we are to 
be, but we also want to know what we are to do because, Lord, we are here on this earth given good works to walk in that we might walk in in step with you and that we might exercise this faith that you've given us. And Lord, we might see Jesus lifted up and glorified in the world today. So Lord, we ask you to remove every barrier, every blockage, every chain, every, every distraction. Humble us, Lord. I don't know that we pray humble us very often, but Lord, maybe that's a prayer that we should hang on to. Humble us, Jesus. That we might know you and make you known. So Lord, here we here we stand before you in your presence. Asking you, Lord, as we depart and go different ways, that you would go with us. And that there'd be this, whether we understand it or not, or there'd be this continual wooing of our heart to be fall more deeply in love with you. And not be distracted by all the affairs of this world. And yet, Lord, not to overlook how we are to impact this world. Thank you, God. Lord, to be continued, I hope, I pray. This is not the end. This is the beginning. To be continued, Father. Do your work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 What you know, what did they do the day after they said it was gonna be forty years? You just okay. Embrace this calling that God has. Love people as if your life depended on it. <laughs>